So puja. This is um, practice, which is about immersion, entering into. So where there's a faculty which is about step, you know, stepping back from and witnessing and, uh, and so on. There is a practice which is about just immersing, uh, which is more harmful practices. Puja, you just you just go into it, you go into the sound, you go into the the bowing, you go into the whole thing, you just go into it like a dance. Really. It's not a place where you you're kind of witnessing anything, although clearly you do know what's going on. It's not. You know, sloshed or anything, <laughs> but that that uh, letting yourself go into it, um, and so this is where we use our bodies, uh, the body ability to produce, uh, moderate, turn the breath into sound, a sound that can be shared yeah, and participated in, and all our singularities are. Voices such as they are, you know, croaky or wheezy or whatever, uh, they can just merge into it. It's the sense of just immersing oneself in the in the community, which begins to form the community of Dhamma. This is a way in which we enter the Dhamma field. The fields really refer to just. Uh, environments, you could say, that we live in. So we have a worldly field, you know, sensory fields, which is sense contact, it's just happening all the time, through all the sense, sense doors. Uh, this is just what you get when you're born, you get into this thing. <laughs> and you can witness particular details of it, but yeah, you know, it's coming at you from all directions. In fact, you, you are the meeting point in some ways. All these sights, sounds, touches, uh, internal uh, considerations, and so forth. That, that's what you're in. Is you'll see that you're in it. This is the sense field. And then, of course, we're more poignantly we're also in a, a, a worldly field: uh, society, culture, uh, political events. Uh, our personal stuff, our families and relationships, we're in that. We're in our work environment, and we're also in our, you know, you could say our worldly environment. Uh, and that's happening, and we, we're immersed in it. This could be really quite struggling because it's not a very wholesome field. It's confused, it's agitated, it's. Um, Sometimes directly, you know, obviously unskillful, and that's putting marketing. And so this, then the, just the weight of carrying that and bearing with that is, is prodigious. Uh, yeah. And it's quite oppressive and uncomfortable. Mm. So, you know, just the, the qualities of puja are there to offer one an entry into a dhamma field which is happening 
at the same time, you could say, if we consider time, as you can, you can flip from one to the other. You can come up into the news and the events and the business and it's Friday and so and so and so and so. And obviously you can dip down into this opportunity for practice here. There's patience, there's resilience, there's keeping the spirit up, there's you know, there's refraining from I'm refraining from doing what I know to be unskillful. So then we flip from one to the other and either, you know, really got no choice, you're either in it. You're in that and getting upset and angry and frustrated or going along with it or trying to block it out. Or you, you find a, this double practice where you, you just, okay, it's that, this is an opportunity for clarity, for honesty, for, you know, to bring forth what I can or what can happen through this body and mind. And this is exactly the pivot point of Four Noble Truths. We're meeting dukkha. We're meeting the unresolved, problematic, um, painful, uh, worldly field, which is sense contact. It's not that great, really. It has some pleasant bits in it, but the pleasant bits are, you know, you have to work for them, and they're sometimes rather fleeting. (laughs) So, when you see this, you know, just being pragmatic about it, you think, well, this isn't going to go very far, but the quality of loving kindness is going a lot further <laughs> than this in terms of giving me a, a sense of, of support and happiness. So it's just sheer pragmatism. Uh, yeah. Yeah. So this example is one way in which we, we flip from the worldly field to the dumber field without, without ignoring you know, the world as it is, but just saying you, you do need this to be able to just meet the world without just collapsing or blocking it or getting snarled up by it. And thank goodness somebody's telling the truth, you know. The Buddha told the truth. Uh, it's not some it's not somebody's you know, there is suffering. It's not because of them and it's just it is and but there's a way out and that you don't have to be immersed you don't have to be flooded and drowned by it you can get your boat and and cruise and work with it and also be be some sort of guide or example or model or friend to others and think, well, this is a very good thing to, I can do this. Uh, This gives me something I can be and do in this life. And I I don't have to know even when there's an end. uh, If I start to think too much about getting to the end and getting results, I start getting frustrated and impatient at my progress or you know, is this the right way? This doesn't do me any good. Better just to get in and be sincere, operate with integrity, and learn from the mistakes. And keep on with and the, the quality that does this is good heart, isn't it? Yeah. We make mistakes, okay, learning. Yeah. 
growing pains. Uh, and so puja, in a way, is a celebration of all of the, of the Dhamma field. And you can take any detail, you can take awakening, you can take integrity, you can take virtue, you can take gratitude, you can take loving kindness, any quality of that, they're all part of the ocean, the Dhamma ocean. And you can linger on any, any detail and make much of it. Yeah. As is appropriate for yourself, what comes to you? It could be just one out-breath, and the ability to let one out-breath pass through, and the next one and an in-breath arise. Yeah, and keeping your mind open and steady to that. That, that is quite a thing. I mean, if everybody just did that much, we'd be in a lot better state. Everybody kept one precept, let alone the stack that we're doing. <laughs> so then the point of puja is because it's a heart practice, just as the heart can make uh, suffering vast and, and uh, spinning, the heart can also make dhamma rich, wide, beautiful. You linger you take into the heart. The heart's quality is to amplify um, felt meanings. Mm-hmm. Then the felt meaning can transfer into the body. Particularly when you're doing an body practice like chanting, where there is a tonality, there's a meaning tone, there's a sense of communality, uh, mutuality. Um, you can enter it as best you can. There's no, you don't have to have a degree of any kind. <laughs> or be an expert. Yeah. And then just enter into this emotional tonality to it, rising up, lifting up, praising, praising the wise. Praising the beautiful, praising the skillful, bring to mind any being, any action that you can bear in mind that makes you, gives you the sense of this is good, this is true, this is virtuous, this is the wise. In ourselves or in others, we're not all wise all the time, but we're not complete idiots. so we pick up the wise, the good, the beautiful, and you resonate with it, amplify it through the heart. And this is just a necessary um, requirement for awakening. It's not just an idea, you have to have the resources to, to the strength and uh, the happiness to, to keep going. Otherwise you're going on a pilgrimage with no supplies. The, the, the tonality, the puja, the word, the, a word that um, is used is pamoja. P- 
homology means uh, gladness and it's a heart tone um, and then one can begin to recollect uh, you know gratitude for the Dhamma for not just Buddha Dharma, but any any skillful acts that you you've found or been offered. It could be a lot worse. And thank goodness, you know, we're not stuck in some you know addiction or in jail. So we get the sense of, of, of gladness just even to be able to breathe in and out relatively easily which you won't be able to do all the time when you're dying, you know, that's no longer a given and to be able to hear the Dhamma which now is so manifest, you can take it for granted another Dhamma talk, well, you know, some places you wouldn't hear you wouldn't hear the Four Noble Truths if you go in, you know, switch on CNN, you're not going to hear much about Mudita Pekka. <laughs> <laughs> and there's beings who never hear this stuff. They just hear, you know, what the Yankees are doing with the Red Sox or, you know, the Republicans or, or you know, all this kind of grim stuff. And so we hear the Dhamma. And we can get it. At least we can get some of it and we can practice it well this is great great gain and uh, something to need to express it you know one can consider it but the need to express it because it's in the expression of it it really transfers into into your into your body you, you immerse in it. It comes into your, from your heart into your chest, into your throat, into your nerves, into your breathing. There's a, a quality called rapture. So from pomoja, um, gladness, gratitude, celebration, appreciation, mudita. The experience it transfers into a sense of like a an uplifted energy in the body. This is this is called piti rapture. And this kind of pleasant feeling, the Buddha said, this is something um, skillful. This is not a pleasant feeling just born of of um, sense contact which is very fleeting and also dependent, you know, object dependent. You get dependent on particular things which give you less and less payoff every time you go there. With uh, Dhamma, the payoff gets better every time you go there because you deepen into your ability to appreciate uh, truth 
integrity, uh, kindness, simple, not esoteric, easy words, easy words, profound experiences. If you take them in, linger, and and, uh, immerse in it. The Buddha said you should not be ashamed or embarrassed by this kind of feeling. Make much of it. And sometimes we are even reluctant to experience that uh, quality if we don't deserve it or um, feel awkward. Because it, it challenges our personal package. It's an immersion, and that challenges our personal. Well, I'm all right. I'm okay. Get on with it. Do the next thing. No, just let yourself be carried by the Dhamma. Appreciate it. These qualities are not personal. And with puja, the opportunity to, even using Pali language, if you get used to it, you begin to recollect this is the sound that's been made for two and a half thousand years. How many hundreds of thousands of throats has this sound passed through? in so many different places. This is a very large ocean. And now I'm in that. Even to say it, it's still inadequate. But it um, helps to dissolve the hard-edged, nervous, um, awkward person into something that includes, embraces, welcomes you. <coughs> welcomes you, says, Ehi Pasiko, come in, come in, you're invited. You don't have to be that good. You don't have to be, you know, pass an exam, have qualifications, be an expert, just come in with your little bit, mm-hmm. with your little candle. Uh, but recognize it that you know, however small the candle is, it's the same light. Now we take that in. It's humbling, at the same time it's uplifting. Puja. You recognize the, uh, you know, we could say there's a certain direct experience uh, which helps to flush out the crampness or the tension or the nervousness or the despond in one's embodiment. <coughs> so there's an immediate uh, some of that effect, steadying, soothing, uh, making you feel better, 
But it's also uh, like a, a benchmark is created. You say, this is the good. This is the true. It feels like this. And then you've got something to, to, to refer to. And then you can know when you're slipping away from it. So no, this is not worthy of me. This action, this behavior is, is not worthy of me. And it's a different kind of assessment from intense blaming and judgment. It's not, I'm a stupid person, but no, that was not worthy of me. I can, I can rise above that. So, this gives us the mark, the sign of Dhamma. Gives us the sign of Dhamma. That acts both as a resource, a support, an encouragement, and a sense of direction. The direction is to sustain this come from this, back from this. True, the good, the beautiful. Don't be self-conscious about it. That's the beauty of that. Everybody, small, great, big, short, whatever, you can come in. So this is the the Dhamma field, and the Buddha said this is like, uh, just like the great ocean contains, you know, enormous whales and uh, great sea monsters, great creatures. Dhamma ocean contains Buddhas. Uh, enlightened beings, sages, the wise, uh, and you can enter into it. And there is one uh, stream, Dhamma stream, comes in through mindfulness of the body. All states that supported and contribute to wisdom coming through this channel. It's a subtle point, it's an interesting point. The heart has to enter the body. You have to live it, move it, breathe it, run it through your through your fingers. You have to enter into it, fully embodied, fully with it, before you really enter the Dhamma field. So, it's our opportunity um, to uh, enter and uh, taking up any particular theme, bear it in mind, recollect it, any qualities in yourself or in others, near or far, um, past, present, dwell upon, be gladdened by. Breathe it in, breathe through it.
the breathing, when you enter into a, a skillful state, check how your breathing is there. Just be, keep it in mind, because the breathing will pick up the theme, the energy of the skillful state, and transfer it into your body. So, you know, quality of kindness or gratitude, how is your breathing? The rhythm of it, the quality of it, can you, can it spread through your body, your chest, your throat, your skin, down to your fingers, linger, savor, and then uh, it will be for your good fortune and for the welfare of others. Because each one of us who lights our candle is a light to others. <laughs>